Welcome to episode five of the Faith in Real Life podcast. I'm your co-host, Amy Dalkey. And I'm your other co-host, James Thompson. Pastor Ross is joining us today because we are talking about his sermon on Sunday. Um, but actually, we aren't here to rehash the contents of the sermon so much as we are going to talk about how it's the truth through the sermon is transforming our lives. So before we get into that, I want to mention that the podcast now has its own email address because we're fancy like that. So if you have questions or comments or you want to share how you are walking out the truth in your own life, we'd love to hear from you. The email address is faithirlpodcast at gmail.com. And that should be listed on the show notes. The show notes. Yes. All right. On Sunday, uh, Pastor Ross talked about the contrast between the human perspective and God's perspective. Uh, we discussed 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 34 through chapter 16, verse 13. And we talked about the differences between Saul, the first uh, king of Israel, and David. I'm sorry, is that right? The, mm-hmm. the first king, okay, first king of Israel, and then um, his successor, David, and how each of them, uh, one was, the human perspective was sort of uh, demonstrated by Saul, and then God's perspective uh, was the one that was demonstrated by David. And the three points that we sort of uh, that were discussed on Sunday was the human perspective is limited, whereas God's perspective is unlimited. Um, secondly, that the human perspective changes over time, and God's perspective is unchanging. And then the third factor or characteristic was that the human perspective is self-centered, while God's perspective is relationship-centered. So I thought maybe how we would do it this week is walk through the differences between these two perspectives. And we can talk about Saul and and David a little bit more, but more specifically, we could talk about how this has played out in our own lives, like where we see how our human perspective has changed, how it's been limited, how it's been self-centered, and so on. Well, the first one was limited um, in terms of the human perspective. And I think, you know, this is... This is the easiest one for us, I and mean, we don't have all the information. We don't have all the cards. Um, you know, God's God's perspective is unlimited. I think I think you mentioned this, Ross. The you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts um, than your thoughts. Right from Isaiah fifty-five. Yeah. So I mean, all of us, you know, right there, we start with the fact that we don't know everything. So. Our perspective is obviously going to be lacking because we don't have all the information, whereas God operates out of time. I mean, he's got all the information. We can't help but be limited in our thoughts and right. our, the way we view things. You know where I went with this? You know, Of course our knowledge or our, our perspective is limited because we are created. We didn't create any of this. And then I went to gravity. We live on a planet Earth, and Earth is like part of this huge galaxy that really is a pretty small galaxy in context of the entire universe and we can't even get to the outermost parts of the universe and so how in the world can we think that we know how to run our own lives I mean we literally can't even keep our two feet on the ground that's what gravity does and we didn't create gravity that's some deep thoughts, right? You you literally <laughs> spaced out during the sermon. So <laughs> literally, right? No. Yeah, actually, you may have gotten a lot farther than I intended <laughs> to go. I was uh, really just aiming toward the human perspective is limited 
if we keep it human, if we don't right. keep the ideal of our creator in mind, right. which goes to the cosmos, as you brought right. up, right. we have no capability of that. Mm -hmm. It's not through our, we are limited humans without the right. Holy Spirit and God's exactly. uh, direction. Sometimes I do have to make a thing bigger in order for it to affect the smaller details. No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I think there's so much that we don't know. And if you just look around, you'll, you'll know that you don't know. Right. Right. That's how I, that's how I, I sort of look at things like that. I start thinking, you know, I, I'm not the God of anything. So I, this, this one is easy for me to, to get my mind around that, you know, my perspective is going to be limited as opposed to God's. Mm -hmm. The second one was changes over time, and I think this is where we can all sort of relate. In preparing for this morning, I, I googled hot political item, uh, topics, and um, this got me thinking of, of things that everyone sort of at one time or another thought was black and white. Right. And maybe through circumstance or experience, they've sort of changed one way or the other because of that. Um, and this is sort of, you know, the example that, that we had, our perspectives change over time. Ross in his sermon was talking about how kids throwing tantrums used to bother him uh, when they were his children, but then um, obviously not when he's Paul Paul and only watching for a short period of time and then he thinks it's funny. And don't have to deal with the consequences of it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some more sugar, uh, sweetheart. Yeah. So uh, the social issues that, that were popped up on Google were abortion, death penalty, euthanasia, gay marriage, gender identity, and guns on campus. And while we're not going to go into each one of those, Wait, I think... I've got it. I think maybe Ross could be our biblical expert on God's point of view on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is humor in the podcast. Okay. So, no, well, we're not going to go... Kidding. We're not going to go into each, each one of those. The one that I wanted to, to, to sort of give an example on um, was uh, the, the one dealing with guns on campus. When I was... And the example I have is when I was... Um, I, think, I think when everyone thinks about you know, whether or not kids should have guns in their vehicles or whatever um, at school, most everyone's going black and white. No, definitely not. Zero tolerance. Um, but when I was in Amarillo, I was clerking for a judge up there, and there was a high school, he was like valedictorian or salutatorian, and he went hunting, um, which is, you know, part of the culture up there, went hunting on the weekend for uh, doves or something, and left his shotgun in his truck, and somebody saw it because it was just lying in the back of his truck. Because of the zero tolerance, he couldn't walk during graduation. And so I think, you know, a lot of people in Amarillo, I mean, it, was, it split the community, like some were in favor, some said, you know, that's, it's not that simple. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that I think that we will tend to change our perspective based on, on things that we experience. The more life I have behind me, I find that there's very few things that are black and white anymore. Right. Yeah. There's good and there's evil, obviously. That's pretty black and white. But our perspective, we got to walk in somebody's shoes for a lot of the occasions that we judge. And I guess the hope is that as our perspective changes over time, it's, it's changing in line with God's Word, with His perspective, so that we see more and more from from his perspective because we're going to be influenced one way or the other and and that's and i guess that's the point that i was uh trying to uh bring out is if we are lined up with god and if we are in communion with god in relationship with god we have access to god's perspective in our limited human right. capacity 
And I don't, I don't know if this is a good place to, to mention it, but when I was, when I was thinking about the sermon, I'm thinking about the two different perspectives. I, I sort of asked the question sort of, well, where do we first learn about the human perspective? And so, you know, I, we, you know, we messed up this, we messed up creation. I mean, it took only a couple of chapters. And so I go back to Genesis and I'm looking at the whole thing with Adam and Eve and the serpent. And I thought, I mean, it was very telling that uh, in Genesis is where we see that we get to watch as it, as it unfolds. God gives Adam, God creates Adam, creates Eve, gives Adam um, instructions. You can eat out of everything uh, in the garden. Everything's good to eat. Stay away from the middle tree. Don't eat from that fruit. Actually, he doesn't say don't stay. He doesn't say stay away. He says don't eat from it. Um, and then you have Adam either not teaching Eve exactly what was instructed to him, because then when she repeats it to the serpent, she says, "And we're not even supposed to touch it." And I think, I think we all see that the serpent is probably touching the tree and not dying. And so then she sort of like start, the doubt starts going there. But it's replacing God's instruction, and she wants to. I think I'm trying to remember exactly the. Uh, the language that is used, but she wants to be wise like God, and so then she she partakes of the fruit, and so she replaces God's instructions with her own desires, and I think that's scales fall off, and boom, now we have two different right. perspectives. We've got the human perspective, which is always going to be failing, and God's perspective, which is now focused on redemption. But that's where that's that's where I went with, right. with the sermon. I didn't space out, but I, I went back to the beginning of the Bible. <laughs> Nice. I see what you did there. No, actually, that's you're exactly right because that's it all happens in Genesis 3, right? And Genesis 2 is a picture of this perfect garden, rest, no stress, perfect. Walking with God. Walking with God. That's the key, right? And then in Genesis 3, it's they decide they want to, instead of listening to God the Creator who has, he has declared what is good, as the creator, it's his right to do that, then they want to know good and evil for themselves. They want to define good and evil according to their own eyes. What, in terms of changes over time, do you have anything that you've, I mentioned the sort of the, the gun in school thing. I have another one with regard to homeschooling. I used to think, I used to have this perspective that, you know, that uh, homeschoolers were girls that wore denim long denim dresses and they right. had their hair up in some sort right. of Amish bun right. um, and they were socially awkward yeah. um, which is relative because they're no more socially awkward than um, kids that text all the time and then get in front of <laughs> their right. friend that they only text and they can't say anything but you know the whole public school versus homeschooling uh, you know debate I grew up one way and so that's the perspective I had is that's just what happens that's just what we expected to do and that's what we were always going to do and then it wasn't until we put more thought into it later that we and we had the opportunity that we decided that homeschooling was for us and there's you know for a lot of different reasons you know we can have bible study and we can we can focus we can tailor how we teach to our kids i mean there's a lot of different things that you know one person trying to teach 30 kids one subject all at the same time you know that, that right. they have to that they're constrained by that we don't have to that that works for us but mainly it was the ability to have the the, the bible and, and study and have prayer time mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing but yeah, my, my, my perspective on that totally changed as, and it continues to, um, you know, we, we prayed about it. We started doing it, prayed a little bit more because I thought, man, we're we really doing the right thing. Um, and we're, you know, years in now and, you know, it, it keeps getting more sort of affirmed, which for us, I think means there's a lot more peace in that. And I think that's maybe because we're, our perspective is maybe more in line with 
with sort of God's perspective on teaching your kids in the way and the truth and that sort right. of thing. No, I, I fully agree with that. And I have a similar experience in in terms of moving Luke to, to Logos, which is like a, a university model school where I'm not teaching concepts and everybody said amen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But there was a time that I, I, like, I would have laughed if you would have suggested that one day I would be doing that. It would be like, no way. That perspective certainly changed. Also, I think in the real life situation that I'm working on right now, it's parenting and parenting according to God's perspective instead of parenting however I feel in the moment, you know, because it's hard. I mean, it's (laughs) parenting, I think, is the hardest thing I've ever done. I just tend to want the easy way. Like if I've said something and then given Luke a boundary and then he pushes the boundary, but I'm flat out exhausted and don't feel like enforcing the boundary, my tendency is to be like, ah, next time. But I can't do that, you know, and I continually have to come back and talk to myself, remind myself of why I'm parenting in the way that I'm parenting. I think that that has changed over time because there was a time when I would totally just go with my own enabling I think the, yeah the consistency thing is um, and that's that's you know going back to the the other side God's perspective is unchanging right his thoughts on on that sort of raising your kids in the way and, and that repetition that goes along with every morning you talk about the scriptures every evening I mean that mm-hmm. there's a reason for that and I think that that consistency is what builds in them and I think I shared the story that Missy blesses and I blesses the kids every night you know. right you shared it in Sunday school not here so uh, oh yeah so every night she'll she'll uh, the Lord bless you keep you make his face shine upon you she does that to the, the kids every night and um, even when they go to camp that's their first little little note that they get um, so they can reread it for themselves Isaac will come down you know um, and he will even you know we don't go upstairs anymore because I guess we're getting lazy right <laughs> but uh, they come <laughs> so they now come to us and Missy will make sure he'll like bless me and he'll grab her hand and he'll put it on his head. Nice. And um, he will not go, you know, he will not go to bed without it. And so I think that that only comes with consistency and, you know, that, that expectation and that, that habit that, that's created. But yeah, that's, that unchanging mm-hmm. has to come with unwavering on our part. Right. Uh, the third one was uh, self-centered for the human mm-hmm. perspective. I think that's easy. Right. Everything I do is usually based on me what I want and what I want to do. It's the basic human nature, though, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what we fight against. I mean, I think you go back to the, the, the garden, and then that's... She saw that the tree was good to eat and uh, would gain wisdom, I think, is the way the, the, the verse reads. And so she wanted, the, she wanted the wisdom. She wanted to be more like... God. Like God. And so that was very self-centered there. Um, and the whole purpose of... Of creation, I guess, and you had mentioned this in the sermon about the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before. I didn't get it when you said it on Sunday, but when you said it uh, a little while ago, we were talking about it. And it, can you say that again? It was yeah, it's toward the end of the sermon, so everybody kind of zoned out by then, I'm sure. But it was Matthew 22 uh, verses 37 and 39, and we actually went through an exercise last year when John asked us to memorize that. And this verse says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I think 
that verse in Matthew gives us a glimpse of God's perspective. What's important to him is that relationship with us. And when you go back to the garden, that relationship where he walked with them in the evening, that's a very comforting image to me, to walk with God in the cool of the evening. And that was broken. That relationship was broken because they uh, didn't trust God enough to live by his commands. What happened with Saul, it became all about him, his human perspective, right. instead of keeping the relationship with God. And the point I was trying to bring out was Saul was the first king, and God permitted Samuel to anoint him as the first king. But his job as king was to represent God to right. Israel because God was the real king of Israel mm -hmm. and what, that was the original design. Mm -hmm. But he gave in uh, to man's desire and found that, yeah, you know, a king could work if it's the right perspective. Right. The key right. is that, that Saul lost that perspective. It became all about himself. And I couldn't find this written anywhere, but my view is that when Saul kept the cattle, sheep, gold, etc., and gave it to his men, I think Saul was really wanting to be viewed as a good king in the eyes of the other humans mm -hmm. right. he was king of. He lost the perspective of God, mm -hmm. and it became about him being viewed as a good king. There's such a fine line between that, too, is when we lose perspective, when we, when we lose God's perspective and and start to wander into this territory where we where we start to think it's about us and then right just the motive the people pleasing motive like okay I'm gonna I know that you know I he, uh, this is me mm -hmm. being Saul right now um like I know that I'm not a good king I know that I've disobeyed I know I've done this but let me fix it by making them think that I'm a good king and work it out that way it's all about like just the human strategy on dealing with our disobedience, right? You just pile disobedience on top of disobedience when you do that. I, I learned a lot. I went back through and I read, you know, the, the, the scriptures that, that were read during Sunday and, and the story mm -hmm. um, and the contrast between uh, David and Saul. And there's so much that, that, that's in there. First of all, I, I, you know, you don't remember the story. And then, you know, I knew it. A little bit, um, but when you go back and read it, um, I guess I, I I learn more by reading than I do by listening. And mm -hmm. so I picked up a couple of things that you had said. I went back and I read. There was so much more um, that I got out of it the second time, and that might just be the way it is. But um, and working on the podcast, I've been diligent about listening. I listen to the sermon like two or three times online because um, it's always available. Uh, and then I, I go and I read the, the, the text again. And I thought, man, there was a lot of good things in here uh, that Saul does that, one, I guess I, I can relate to. Right. And where I go wrong on a daily basis. Now, I guess you want to, for those that haven't read the text or, or, or have forgotten it, you want to sort of summarize a little of it? The Yeah, I think that Ross is going to do that, right? Oh. You're, uh, the, the, you're talking about the text that the sermon yeah, was? Yeah, the actual okay. text. Because you'll find if you listen to the uh, sermon online, I guess it depends on which version, there's two, two sermons, uh, 9 o'clock and 10.30. But I, I took it in the middle where God has already declared that Saul is an unfit king. Mm -hmm. And he has sent Samuel, who is the prophet and priest, to anoint a new king. 
while Saul is still on the throne. This makes Samuel a little nervous because he and Saul had had a tiff because he confronted Saul with his sin. And the sin was that uh, God had turned the Amalekites over in defeat to Israel. But the direction that God gave was to destroy everything. Don't keep any of the spoils of war. Don't keep the gold, the cattle, the sheep, or the silver. Well, Saul sinned, did not follow that directive from God, and divvied up the cattle, sheep, gold, and silver among his men and himself. And for that, God said, Saul is not following my directions. He has sinned. He is not my king anymore. And so then Samuel, the prophet, is left in the awkward position of going to anoint a new king while Saul is still on the throne, and he goes to Jesse. Well, wait, before we go, go before we go into to, to Jesse, I thought that first part, you know, because I was still stuck in Genesis. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I thought that story there sort of paralleled the fall again. And, and the, when I went back through it, so you had, you had Adam and Eve were put in a blessed position. They were in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had, you know, Saul was the king of Israel. His position was mm-hmm. the king of Israel. They were both given instructions. You know, we already talked about not eating from the, the tree in the middle of the garden. And then he was given very specific instructions from God, go and attack them and totally destroy all that belongs to them. That was mm-hmm. men, women, children, infant, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys according to 15.3. Then they, they each changed those instructions for Adam and Eve. She had, uh, Eve added that part about touching the tree, and then he spared Agog, I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, um, the king. And then they kept the best of the sheep and cattle and everything that was good. So here we have sort of... In their own eyes. Yeah. He decided what was good and not God. Um, and then... They replaced the instructions with other sort of desires. So Adam and Eve, Eve listened to the serpent, Adam listened to Eve. And then Saul listened to his soldiers who wanted the plunder. Well, I don't know. Or did he just listen to himself? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. It it was human perspective. It was my view of Saul's ego. He was king. He could have decided what happened. And I think like Adam was ultimately responsible for Eve... Saul would have ultimately been responsible for what the soldiers did. Well, we know that Adam was ultimately responsible for his decision. He, As well. Even if Eve made the wrong choice, he still had the wherewithal to make his own choice. That's uh, Someone came to me after the sermon, and I, I really don't want to get into this here because I don't have a good answer. But it, <laughs> No, it, it's true because I don't have a good answer, but it is, well, God knew that Saul wasn't going to be a good king because he's omniscient. So right. why did he anoint him? And the only answer I have is, we have free will. Right. Saul could have made the right yes, choice. he could have. Same thing I with Adam and Eve. They could have made the right choice. Even if Eve made the wrong choice, Adam could have made the right choice. So I don't have a good answer past that. That, that becomes very um, concerning that uh, he didn't make the right choice. Well, and either way, he does try to blame the soldiers. Even if he did make, you know, he wanted that stuff. He does. He does try when he went confronted. He's like, "Oh no, no, no! The the soldiers uh, wanted to do it. They, they." Yeah, and the best line of all, and again, this wasn't part of the, the scriptures that we read, but the best line of all was, "Well," and Samuel said, "What's the bleeding of those sheep?" And Saul says, "Oh, that's for sacrifice." Yeah. You know, he's got right. six hundred thousand head of cattle. It's like, oh, it's gonna sacrifice. Yeah. It's when one big one. barbecue, you know. Yeah. 
The, and then he says, um, which I thought was very telling to me, and I've, as a parent, uh, this will circle back around, that's for sacrifice. So then, 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 uh, then I think uh, Samuel says, obedience is worth more than any, mm-hmm. any sacrifice. So right. no one asked for a sacrifice. That was your own doing. It's like when they... Well, it was the, a lie. The kids First get it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, my kids have gotten into something and they're like, oh, but I was going to make you something. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Uh, no, let's put the pain away, sweetheart. Um, but that's... Once again, it's substituting what we think God wants for what God has very clearly told right. us he wants and we still don't do it. Mm-hmm. And we suffer from it. Saul, this I thinking how this relates to my own life is that Saul missed the opportunity to to partner with God, to be the leader of Israel, to experience all of the blessing that would come with that. But because he thought he knew better than God, he he missed out and he suffered greatly. And that I mean I see that in my own life how I will just you know, I'll know a thing is not really what God wants me to do, but I want to do it. And so I've, it's just really, really disordered when you start getting into that. Well, Saul did something I would probably do. Like he took undue credit. I think in, 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 in chapter 15, verse 12, right after the defeat, Saul sets up a monument in his own honor. Mm-hmm. So he took credit. You know, God said, you're going to win this battle. I mean, hey, you already know the outcome. I mean, and then you win. Uh, yeah, that was all because of my uh, obvious uh, military excellence. Um, I'm going to set up my own uh, my own monument. I just that kind of stuff is, is, and I think one of the verses says, arrogance is, is, um, is like evil, uh, the evil of idolatry. And it really is because you're putting yourself above everything else. Especially if... You're King Saul, and you're supposed to represent God. That's a heavy responsibility in the first place, and he he didn't succeed in any way doing that. Wow. Wow. Okay, so are we? Do we have anything left really to talk about between um, Saul and David? Or oh yes, actually, I, I love that you pointed this out in the sermon. Mm-hmm. That. Well, what was the difference between Saul and David? Because David, he sinned. I mean, we all know about Bathsheba. And, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, there were other times in Scripture that we know. Like Lots when of he times. Took the t- when mm-hmm. he took the census. So what was, mm-hmm. the, what was the difference? And it's that when, and you said this, that when Saul was confronted with his sin, he, he acted like it was no big deal. He, he made excuses. He blamed whatever. And then when David was confronted with this sin, he repented mm-hmm. and he, he saw it and he was, he was greatly sorrowful, sorrowful, sorrowful. Yeah. <laughs> and to me that showed he had that continual relationship right. with God. Right. Now he might have, you know, broken that relationship during his sins. Right. But when confronted with that by prophets or priests in his own time, he came back and repented. Right. And the other, you know, God's vision is not our vision. God sees what we don't see. I think I brought out that, you know, Saul was like the perfect ideal, human ideal of a king. Right. Good family, wealthy, powerful, head taller, very handsome, etc. Whereas David came from this essentially backwoods shepherd family, Jesse 
had no lineage that would mm-hmm. uh, cause uh, you to think that the greatest king of Israel would come from it. Right. I mean, he actually had foreigners, right? In exactly. Uh, Ruth and Naomi, mm-hmm. you know, that's his grand, great-grandmother, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, an immigrant. Right. Interesting for our times today. Right. Want to talk about that? No, just no. kidding. It's that, it's that counterintuitiveness, I think, that, that I, you know, when we were thinking about David's not, you, you know, small boy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tall guy, Parker-esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they probably had, no, I was going to say they probably had the same mustache, but uh, <laughs> comes from a guy with a beard. But that, that sort of, that paradox is common, um, and that's what that other thing that made me think of when I'm sitting there in the sermon is, yeah, David's not what you would think, and that's because God would be glorified in him. And it's, it's that sort of, as a human, we would expect being strong would be, you know the the best example of 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 God, but then the scriptures say you know those that you know those that are weak. I'm strong when I'm weakest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other one was is more blessed to give than to receive. On the human side, we'd be like, uh, I like to get stuff, right? Um, you know, and it's that that sort of the way that we would normally think of things, the way the world sees things, and then the way God would see things is totally different. And that's those sort of scriptures were brought, were brought to mind as I was thinking about, you know, uh, those, that, those that are humbled will be lifted up. I mean, that's constant. You know, what you think it is is not the way God sees it. God flips everything kind of upside down. I mean, we see with Joseph, the youngest, mm-hmm. who, you know, saves the future nation of Israel with Egypt. At a time when the, the oldest gets a double portion, right? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so I was totally against anything in this culture. And then, uh, obviously, Jacob, you know, the grabber. Right. The deceiver, mm-hmm. actually. God can turn anybody around. So how do we get... This is, this is sort of the question. Okay, so we have, obviously, we have human perspective and we've got God's perspective. How do we get more in line with God's perspective. And I think that goes straight back to that, the great commandment, the two loves. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we don't love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind, and we don't have that relationship, and, uh, and we don't you know, ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance, we can't love our neighbor. I, in a human Capacity, we don't have it to consistently love our neighbor as is required to do that. And that was illustrated, I think the last verse said that, uh, of today's scripture said, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. So David was always filled with a spirit uh, that helps us keep God first. Now, for me, what helps me with that is my quiet time and prayer time in the morning. Uh, when I get in touch and I, I honestly repent of all the sins from the day before and ask that, you know, the Holy Spirit give me strength not to repeat it over and over and over again. But that's that relationship. The only way I can feel grounded is through that mm-hmm. renewal of that relationship. And God's gracious because I fail every day, but right. we go back. And I think that's the beauty of what David had. Mm-hmm. He kept that relationship. And also mentioned in, in the sermon that you know, David was this awkward period where David was anointed king. He knew it, mm-hmm. and he served in Saul's court. Court uh, first as the uh, musician, and then as the armor bearer, and then Saul went after him because right. he realized that David was anointed and he was jealous. So, but 
the point being that David kept that uh, relationship with God and knew that he was supposed to be in relationship with his neighbor being Saul. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't his to fix, it was God's to fix. And he waited for God's And he timing. waited on God's timing right. when he had plenty of opportunity. I think for me, and I totally, yes, agree with that wholeheartedly. I think too, it's, we have to know what, if we're going to have God's perspective, we have to know what God's perspective is. And that comes from knowing the scripture, knowing that's how we know, come to know God is we, we read his word, we learn what he says. And then it's a matter of asking for his grace to incorporate that into our lives so that we're changed from glory to glory. Like it's a, it's a journey, right? Sanctification mm -hmm. process, but we have to know the truth. And I think that in today's culture, it's, it's easier to get our perspective from Facebook articles, right? Or, you know, listening to the news or what my friends say. It's, we don't even, we don't even really sometimes know what we really believe about a thing. And I think we certainly don't know what God says about it. Uh, yeah, and I, I agree. I think we have to pray. I think we do it every Sunday. We say the Lord's Prayer, and I think we, it's rote memorization. We probably never think about the words anymore. Um, and I think that's, that's a disservice that we do because I think part of that is your will be done. So we, we are praying that God's will be done. And so, in effect, we're, we're actually praying that, you know, sort of make my will your will. And I think that's, you know, you hear all these verses like the, the prayer of a righteous man is a powerful saying. And there's other verses that says, you know, when you pray according to his will, he hears you and you will, he will do whatever you ask. Right. And it makes sense because once you're aligned with God, that's where the power is. Um, that's like standing under the umbrella. Right. You know, when we're not in line, it's not right. going to happen. And so I think we need to pray that we see what we need to see. It was it, uh, and that we, we can, we can align ourselves with God's will so that it's the same. Um, I think that's where, you know, that's where we need to be. That's where we should be. And I just think we, we need to pray for that to happen. Um, I don't think it's, I think you do need to study and that's, right. that's how God speaks to us through the, right. through the word. Okay, well, I think it's time for us to wrap up. It was a pleasure for me to be here. Thank you very much. I think it was quite fun. And it's worth a million dollars. Just kidding. It's just worth $10, but still. That's it for this week. I hope that you've been inspired to walk by faith in your everyday life.